Thank you, Sam, praise team. So glad that uh, you are here. And good morning, everybody that's here. First Alliance, I'm so glad that you're here. I am glad that uh, for those that are watching online, I know we have several that are uh, not feeling well this morning, so we need to pray for them. Uh, we have several that are traveling, uh, and I pray they have a great vacation. Vacations are good, aren't they? Yes. Problem with them is they're too short. Uh, have a question for you, whether you're here or watching online. How, how many of you woke up this morning and thought, whew, I feel like a superhero? Anybody do that? Anybody wake up this morning and think, man, I, I'm a superhero? Uh, recently, there was a, a grandmother that was watching her infant uh, grandchild and went to the store, and she was normally, uh, normally went to the store by herself and forgot that her grandchild was in the car, and as soon as the door closed, she realized she had locked her keys in the car with her granddaughter. She was terrified, hot, you know, she knew she had just a few moments to, to save her grandbaby, and, and she called the police. The police call, came, and they broke out one of the windows, but none of them were small enough to get through the window to, to unlock the car. Enter Zavi Ahmed, five-year-old decided that she was going to, uh, that he was there and he was small enough. He crawled through the windows, unlocked the door, saved the child. And you know what was so amazing about Ravi? He was wearing a Batman suit. <laughs> now, unlike Zavi, I think sometimes, you know, most, most people that become heroes are unlikely heroes, that, that they don't wake up in the morning and think, Man, I'm going to wear my cape just in case today. You know, I'm so glad he was. But it, it's important to understand, because we're going through a series of unlikely heroes. It's important to understand that God uses ordinary people. He uses people like you and I. He uses people like Ananias that was just a, a passionate follower of Christ and, and he was praying and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he says, Ananias, get up and go and pray for, for, uh, for Saul of Tarsus because I'm going to use him even though he has persecuted our church where you want, you're to go and pray with him. And Ananias became an unlikely hero that left, went, prayed for, for Saul that changed his name to Paul that gave us most of the New Testament. And we never hear about Ananias again. He's one of the ones that I want to speak to when I get to heaven. I want to know what he was feeling when the Lord spoke to him. Did he instantly just get up and go? Did he have to work through his fear? Because sometimes people think that faith is, is the absence of fear, but faith is doing what you need to do, what you know to do in spite of your fear. I, I wonder, you know, if, if uh, that little, little handmaiden that was... Naaman's wife's servant that had been taken captive and was, was uh, in a foreign land. And, 
And I wonder if she felt like a hero when she said, oh, I wish, wish my master would, would uh, go to the God of my people because he can heal her, heal him. So there are countless, countless unlikely heroes in the Scripture. And today I want to talk to you about one called Noah. Noah. Sometimes we look at him like, you know, Noah, Noah built an ark. But do you realize that Noah was just an ordinary guy just like us? Just like you guys. I was reading, uh, I'm going to have to change my vernacular because I was reading this morning uh, lists of words that are banned, and you guys. If you're from California, you're going to have to change your whole vocabulary because that's every other word, you guys and dude. So, so number one question, number one question to ask me uh, recently is, are we in the last days? Are we living in the last days? Jesus himself, when he was asked that question, posed that question, he referred back to Noah, the unlikely hero Noah. And he said in Luke 17, 26, he says, And it just, just as it happened in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, and they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It's important to understand that Jesus uses Noah as a reference to indicate the last days. And, and when you look at that passage of Scripture, there are a lot of things that, that, the, that the Bible talks about in, in Genesis chapter 6 that talks a lot about the days of Noah. But it's interesting, it's fascinating to me that Jesus takes this one point and he says, just as it was in the days of Noah, they were consumed with doing what they wanted to do and and omitted everything about God. Life was just going on. So today I want to compare some of what Noah's day and that unlikely hero, and I, I want to look at us and what we can do as well. Hebrews 11:7. If you're there, if you want to turn there, uh, I have it on the screen as well. Here's the writer of Hebrews, and he's we're in that hall of fame, uh, that faith where people are, are, are listed as heroes of the faith. And we mentioned last week when it gets down in the, in the bottom part of the passage and it says, and others, others that weren't named. You, we can put our names in there. Hebrews eleven seven says, by faith, by faith, believing in what you have not seen, you know it's there. When warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. I want to look at just the three basic things that I found in this passage of Scripture. Number one, Noah was warned by God. Noah was told by God that he was going 
to destroy the earth. Genesis 6.13 says, Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Behold, I, even I, am in bringing a flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Noah was warned of impending judgment of God. Number one, he was warned. We, as the body of Christ, as, as people that, that live after the cross, have been warned that there is a time coming that the Lord himself is going to return. That he is going to end everything that we know as sin, and he is going to establish a kingdom built on righteousness. We know that. We talk about the rapture of the church. We talk about that, that gathering away. We talk about the Lord's return. And, and we look at it, and, and Jesus said, As in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. There are going to be times where you're going to say that the Lord's return is close, and people are going to still continue to do what they are doing. I look at that, and I think it's absolutely amazing. If you really look at Noah's life, it took him a hundred years to build the ark. Can you imagine year one? Well, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. Well, what is an ark? It's a giant boat. Well, why do you need a giant boat? Well, water is going to fall from the sky. Well, that's never happened before. I know, but God told me. So I'm going to build this boat exactly the way God told me to build it. Can you imagine the first year? The second year? Year 28? And the same people. Well, Noah... You're still doing, you're still building, but it's not rain. In fact, I haven't seen anything come out of the sky except for sunshine. Can you imagine what Noah went through? And yet he was faithful. He believed in God. He believed God's Word. I know that we live in a, in a day and time right now that, that we have heard so much about the Lord's return, and we look at it and we say, well, is the Lord really going to return? I have had people say, well, you know, I've, I've heard that my whole life. And, and, and Jesus said, in the last days, that's exactly what they're going to say. Well, we've heard it our whole life, and then the Lord's going to come. He's going to come at a time that they don't think he's going to, to arrive. Two are going to be grinding at the mill. One's going to be taken. One's going to be left. Two are going to be sleeping. One's going to be taken. One's going to be left. He's going to come at a time that we don't think it's going to happen. So the most important thing that we can do is understand what the Word of God says about the Lord's return and act on it just like Noah did. Noah acted. He moved with reverence. He moved with fear. He began to build the ark, and he built the ark exactly the way the Lord asked him to. There was no room in the ark for a leaky boat. 
My father-in-law loved the uh, a little illustration. It had, a, had the ark and it had a couple of holes in it. And he said, the woodpeckers have got to go. Noah not only believed God, he understood what God was saying. He said, he said, Noah, I want you to look at the world because the world around you, culture around you, is not toward me. And Noah saw it, Noah believed it, and Noah acted on the word of God. Now, I want to talk to you for a moment on that topic we live in a culture today that is anti-Christian, post-modernism, post-Christian values, that, that the church's day has come, and, and many think that the church's day has gone, that, that science has destroyed faith, and that their confidence is in, in science alone. And the reality is, science is never a, a religion, and yet people have made it a religion. Science is not exact. Science is about speculation. It's about curiosity. It's about discovering. And when people begin to discover the truth, it always leads back to the Word of God. It's important to understand that, that you and I live in a time that your, your life, your lifestyle, it needs to be what the Lord has asked us to be. He wants us to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to have a life that is built upon the Word of God. He to make ourselves, the Bible says, to make ourselves ready for that return. And we won't do it if we don't believe it. If we don't believe the Lord's going to come, then we won't act as if the Lord's going to come. But if you're looking for the Lord's return, and here is the key, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord because Noah's eyes were not on culture, not on the things of this world. Noah's eyes were on God alone. Noah was looking to God when man was looking to themselves, when man was looking to the things of this world. Noah was looking to God for help, for sustenance, and for victory in his life. He wanted his life saved. He wanted his children saved. He wanted his family saved. And he went to God day and night with prayers and, and with offerings. And God said, I see you. You say, well, it's hard to live for God. I, I don't know why I'm on this, but here I go. Uh, you know, some say, well, it's hard to live for God in, 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 in the present age. And I would say it's not any more challenging than the days of Noah. But somehow Noah found a way to keep his eyes on the Lord. And that's why the scripture tells us, look unto the author and perfecter or the finisher of your faith. Keep running, but keep your eyes on the prize because this world is not the prize that we're looking for. This world, it, as good as it can be, it will pale in comparison to the time when you have granted that eternal life and you're walking in that new body and you get to walk on those streets of gold. There is coming a time in, in our culture that your lifestyle will be in contradiction to the culture around you. Where are your eyes? 
Where are your eyes? See, Noah, Noah believed, Noah acted. Then Noah's actions, the scripture says, condemned the world. Do you realize that, that as the Lord's return gets closer, it will be harder and harder to not look like the world? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to share, uh, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to share what I really think because I do that sometimes. Uh, I, I think the church world in the 1980s and, and beyond sold out the gospel for a seeker-friendly. And we looked like the world, and we talked like the world, and we acted like the world thinking that if we looked more like the world and we acted more like the world, that, that somehow the world would accept us. My friends, the world's never going to accept you. Let me say that again. If you are a passionate follower of Jesus Christ, the world will never accept you. Because if you are a passionate follower of Jesus Christ, your identity is found in Christ. Notice when Paul is talking in Philippians, in Philippians 1, and he's saying, it's better for me to stay with you because my reward is when I leave this body. And Paul speaks of himself as a spiritual being. He doesn't speak to as himself as a man. He, first and foremost, he says, I am a spiritual being, and for me to stay in the flesh in this body means that, that it's going to be profitable for you. And, and I, I love that he said, if I'm in the flesh, I am going to have a profitable ministry. Why? Because my life is about Christ. But notice he doesn't say, I'm staying in the flesh. And, and we live in a culture, and, and watch this, any time that any nation, any culture begins to identify themselves first as a sexual identity, they are looking at the carnal and not at the spiritual. Now, what does that mean for the church? Do we, do we despise people? Absolutely not. I love everybody. We are called, the Bible says, the spirit and the bride say come. But the reality is, as a Christian, as a child of God, you must first and foremost identify as a spiritual being in a fallen fleshly tabernacle, a tent. And you have to understand that you are a spiritual being. And one day when the Lord comes back, you are going to receive a new body that's going to be united with your spirit. And you will no longer have the temptations of this flesh, but you will be transformed and changed. That's what we're looking for. But anytime we start focusing primarily on this world, when we start focusing on the things of this world, when we identify with, with names and, 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 and labels that this world gives us, that's when we begin to, to stumble and falter and fail because we are diminishing the gospel. The gospel is the good news because the gospel redeems us from all sin. 
sin. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've committed. I don't care what you have identified with. If you allow Jesus Christ to forgive you and to pardon you, and you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you through and through, you will change. You will be like him. You will begin to walk like Christ. You'll begin to talk like Christ. You'll begin to, to, to see yourself not as, a, as an individual, a fleshly individual, but a spiritual being in here that cries out as deep calls out to deep. You'll begin to search for the spiritual things of life. That's, that's the, the walk of a Christian. And, and just by professing Christianity, just by saying that 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 you are a follower of Christ and your lifestyle backs it up, you will be in contradiction to culture. And that's exactly where we want to be. You say, well, well, pastor, why are you so pessimistic? I'm not. I'm actually very optimistic. I like it. I'm going to speak freely as a pastor. If you're, if you're visiting, please excuse me. Uh, but as a pastor, you get to see all these different things that are going on in the church. Because one person, you know, you may have an issue, and, but you don't know the other issues in the church. And as a pastor, you get to hear them all and see them all and pray for them all. And, and, and one of the things that I know about being a pastor after so many years is I notice when the adversary is after a congregation. Can I speak freely? The adversary is after you. The adversary is trying to take you down. The things that you're experiencing, the things that you're going through, is because the adversary is trying to take you down. And the only time he does that is when he's worried that you're doing something right. Are you with me? You know, when this started happening, when they started praying on Sunday mornings and the women started praying on Thursdays when prayer started coming and started rolling through the church and people are beginning to pray. And, and as you begin to pray, there's a fire that's built up. And as that fire begins to be built in your heart, then there's more opportunities to share the gospel with people and, that, and people begin to come to faith in Christ. And, and the devil doesn't like that because if, if you will just do what you want... Uh, want to do and, and you don't follow after the things of God and if you'll just keep your mouth quiet and, and you won't share the gospel and if you'll look like everybody else and go along with everybody else then the adversary will kind of leave you alone but when you begin to stand up and say hey greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world and hey, Christ came to seek and to save all those that were lost and, and I don't care what label they put on them they need Christ in their life and you have the love of God and the compassion of God in your life and you begin to love on everybody that you come in contact with, the devil does not like it. And that's what I see in this church. That's what I see as people have beginning to, to wake up, and they're, and they're saying, no, wait a minute, Christ is coming, and Christ is near. I need to be about my Father's business, and you're beginning to pray, and you're beginning to talk to your neighbors. You're beginning to talk to your friends. You're sharing the good news. You're, you're living it out every single day, and the devil's saying, oh, no, no, wait a minute. I, I don't like this because that 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 that." creates that R word, revival. 
So make no mistake about it, the adversary is after you. And you say, well, what's the cure? You're going to like this. Do more. If you've been praying, pray more. If you've been reading, read more. If you've been sharing the gospel, share it more. Just open up. Because living it out fearlessly helps you identify as being a spiritual individual, a spiritual being. Our flesh will fight us. Paul, Paul gave us that great analogy of the things that I would do, I don't do, and the things that I don't do, that's the things I'm going to do. What was he saying? He was really saying, listen, I'm a spiritual being, and my flesh fights me on every single issue. I mean, I fought myself this morning. I woke up this morning. I was happy my, my daughter and, and my son-in-law were back, and the, and the grandkids are still with us, but they were with them and not me. And, and I was saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I didn't have to get out of bed, and there's part of me that said, oh, pillow, I just love you. And I just wanted to stay there a little longer. And I began to have, you ever have argue with yourself? And I was arguing with myself. No, I can lay here. You got the, you've, you've got it down, man. You've got it down. You don't need to pray this morning. Just, just lay here and just get up and go speak. And then there's part of me says no, because speaking without praying is meaningless. And, and so I had that battle. It's between the flesh and the spirit. Each and every one of us have that every single day. That's why Paul said, I crucify my flesh daily because that there's something about this body that it's going to be transformed to, to be glorious like Christ's new body. But the thing is, you're going to have to drag it there every single day. How did Noah overcome that? He had his eyes on the prize. And in verse 8 in chapter 6, I love what it says, and I know you can quote it. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He was looking for grace. Grace, the un unmerited favor of God. He was looking for it. Sometimes we look for unmerited favor in a lot of different things. Where did Noah find it? In the eyes of God. How do you see anything in somebody's eye? You look at them. My little two-year-old granddaughter, you're tired of all those stories, but I don't care. She wanted my eyes holding her, she wanted my attention, so she took her little hands and went, Poppy. Just, and she wanted to stare at me. She had my attention. Noah found grace... he knew where to look for it he didn't look for it in the things of this world he didn't look for it in his retirement plan he didn't look for it in his job he didn't look for it in the things he was doing he didn't look for it in any other place but in the eyes of God if you're walking through a difficult time let me speak to you heart to heart 
you're going through a difficult time, if you're going through a physical illness, you're going to find your grace in the eyes of God. If you're going through a loss in your life, you're going to find that grace in the eyes of God. If your family's going through trouble, you're going to find grace in the eyes of God. If you're going through a financial difficulty, you'll find grace in the eyes of God. Noah became an unlikely hero in a time of turbulence and strife and, and, and crime and everything else when people were with identifying as everything else other than a, a follower of Yahweh. And yet here's Noah worried about his family and he looks to God and finds what he needs in his gaze. Friend, I don't know everything that's going on. I know a lot of things. If you're watching online, I want to encourage you. Look to the Lord. Look to him. Because you will find what you need in him. I'm going to ask Sam if he would come back. Uh, and if you would, would you stand with me today? I know this is a, a short message today, and everybody can say amen. Uh, it's summertime. I find it interesting that while the entire world was experiencing the anger of God. God was so upset that, that man was thinking about evil all the time, continually thinking about the things that were not part of God. In that same time, Noah found grace. I just want to ask you this one question. Okay, you ready? Where are your eyes? Who are you looking at? Say, well, pastor, I've got a lot of problems. Look to the Lord. Say, well, pastor, I have, I have a, a, a lot of physical needs. Look to the Lord. Well, I don't know what my next step should be. Look to the Lord, for the steps of a good person are directed by Him. Scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord has the answers to everything that you're walking through. Whether it's the answer you want or the answer He's going to give you. I can't, I can't tell you, but I can tell you this, that the right answer is with Him. I'm sure Noah would have wanted the Lord to save the whole earth. 
but he saved eight. And I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this. If you look to him, that's where you're going to find your grace.